My name is Bill Coughlin, and welcome to First Person Civil War Podcast, which retells the stories of the soldiers and officers on the ground in the battles of the Civil War. Episode 5 is entitled Colonel Winchester Hall and the 26th Louisiana at the Battle of Chickasaw Bayou. And Winchester Hall wrote the source used for this episode entitled The Story of the 26th Louisiana Infantry in the Service of the Confederate States. The Battle of Chickasaw Bayou was one of the first of a series of battles in what would become the Vicksburg Campaign. In the final days of 1862, General Sherman attempted an approach upon Vicksburg from the north by boat. Vicksburg, at this time, was the last Confederate stronghold on the Mississippi River, and General Sherman landed his forces in the vicinity of Chickasaw Bayou, Mississippi, approximately 10 miles north of the city, and attempted to take it. This was just one part of a grander operation envisioned by General Grant against the city. As part of the comparatively small force facing General Sherman was Colonel Winchester Hall and his 26th Louisiana. Winchester Hall worked as a partner in the law office of Bush and Hall before the war began in Thibodeau, Louisiana. At the beginning of the war, the owner joined the Confederate Army and left Hall in charge of the offices. It was not until the fall of Forts Henry and Donelson in early February 1862 did Winchester Hall decide to join the Confederate Army and help raise a company of infantry from the parish, or county, of Lafouche. Winchester Hall became the commander of the Allen Rifles, which named itself after R.H. Allen who raised funds for the company and mustered into service on 15 March 1862. Though the parish had already contributed two companies prior to the Allen Rifles, enough men volunteered to form yet another company during this time, with both assigned to the same regiment. The Allen Rifles became Company I of the 26th Louisiana, which completed its formation in New Orleans on 20 April 1862. Winchester Hall and his company were part of a defensive line around New Orleans, but retreated before Federal forces took the city and without being engaged. They then embarked by train to Vicksburg, where it would stay to defend the city. Winchester Hall became the commander of the 26th Louisiana on 25 November 1862 and was assigned to Withers Brigade at the battle. The 26th Louisiana arrived at Chickasaw Bayou on 24 December 1862, just two days before Sherman's men disembarked. The Confederate Army arrayed along a ridgeline that faced the bayou but the 26th Louisiana would not occupy those positions and instead skirmish with the Union Army for several days in vicinity of the Yazoo River. Colonel Hall recounted his orders were to annoy the gunboats, repel any attempt at landing, and dispute the enemy's advance inland. 
the 26th Louisiana did not skirmish as a whole regiment, but instead Colonel Hall detached companies from 26th to 27 December to carry out their orders. Besides skirmishing, Colonel Hall ordered his men to dig rifle pits in their position, which straddled a wagon road that went all the way to the Yazoo River. The 26th Louisiana skirmish line was in front of the Confederate center and faced north toward the Yazoo River and the advancing Union Army. Sherman began his advance on 28 December, which promptly pushed all of the 26th Louisiana skirmishers back to its main line of rifle pits. Colonel Hall recounts of this first engagement. There was now nothing between the enemy and the 26th, and on they came. I passed near each company and spoke to each a few words of cheer. The shelling was kept up, and the mini balls soon began to whistle about us. But as the firing was under cover of woods, which came within 200 yards of our pits, we could have only occasional glimpses of a moving body. Therefore, we fired sparingly. The 26th Louisiana remained in this position throughout the day and faced further attacks on their right. Colonel Hall continued, The enemy ran up a battery on this road, which was the wagon road, to within about 400 yards of our line, and in plain view. About the time the guns were unlimbered, we peppered them so hotly, they retired hastily without favoring us with a single shot. The ground that became the Chickasaw Bayou battlefield on those two days was densely wooded and proved difficult to bring sufficient firepower to bear, as noted by Colonel Hall already. But this dense foliage almost led to the flanking of the 26th Louisiana. Flanking was a common tactic, and was something the 26th Louisiana was under threat because there was no Confederate regiment to its right. Colonel Hall recalled, In the early afternoon, we noted the movement in the woods on our right. It seemed to be a body of men, and we opened on them. Someone cried out, They are our own men! Firing ceased without an order. I then had to determine whether it was friend or foe. After a moment of awful suspense, I decided, I hardly know how, that it was a hostile line and ordered the firing kept up. All signs of them soon disappeared. We learned afterwards it was two regiments in line of battle. A regiment attacked on the flank has a harder time repelling such a maneuver because the weight of the regiment is facing in a different direction and cannot adequately defend itself. In this case, the 26th Louisiana halted this flanking movement. According to Union reports, these two regiments were the 69th Indiana, a veteran regiment, and the 120th Ohio, which was in its first fight. Both of these regiments belonged to Colonel Sheldon's brigade, and he reported the assault as such. In advancing amid obstacles in line of battle, the 120th became crowded together in the center, and receiving a sharp fire from the enemy for the first time, some confusion occurred. 
Order was soon restored, and the regiment put into position. The contest was very sharp for about 30 minutes, both regiments putting a well-directed fire into the enemy's entrenchments. Colonel Sheldon's brigade was a part of a two-brigade assault on the 26th Louisiana. While Sheldon maneuvered on the right flank of the 26th, Colonel de Courcy's brigade would assault the 26th front. Colonel Sheldon continued his report. I continued to advance until reaching the edge of the bayou, and he was still engaging the 26th Louisiana. When the enemy opened on us with shell and grape, to which we could not reply with any effect, de Courcy did not charge, as I was informed he would, and I did not deem it advisable to do so unsupported. After a contest of some 45 minutes, I retired. And just as a quick side note, it is interesting while reading reports from both sides as to how one summarization of a length of time can be different to another. Though Colonel Hall describes his defenses as rifle pits or trenches, he gives little more information beyond that. From the attacker's perspective, we can gather more information as to how formidable this fighting position was. While Colonel Sheldon spoke of obstacles on the battlefield, Colonel de Courcy used a better term for what they faced in front of the 26th Louisiana, Abatee. Abatee were a type of field fortification used by both sides on several battlefields in the war. Felled trees or large branches, usually sharpened and placed in front of rifle pits, provided an extra layer of protection to a unit like the 26th Louisiana and can explain why the regiment stayed in this fighting position during the entire first day of the fight. Colonel Hall stated that the 26th Louisiana was ordered to vacate the trenches by 2 a.m. on 29 December, and reported losses for the first day was one officer and six privates killed, with two more privates wounded. The regiment again formed in the center of the line, and dug shallow rifle pits with swords and bayonets. Though the Union Army still outnumbered the Confederates they faced, the assault on 29 December 1862 became costly. Colonel Hall said of this assault, The enemy's line continued to advance, although every weapon on our side was warm, and every man was doing his best. Some approached within 50 yards of our line, but it was their last assault. Soon, the line wavers and breaks and confusedly attempts to retire. The Union assault on 29 December was a complete failure, and in its aftermath, the 26th Louisiana was ordered to report to General Stephen Lee, the division commander, for a detail. Colonel Hall recalls, We had hardly started when the command reached a point where a body of the enemy was in full view, only a hundred yards away. The temptation was too great for the naughty boys. They stopped without orders and savagely peppered the bluecoats. I thought it best to let them have their own way for a while, as if a part of the program of the occasion. 
As I feared, they might not respond to an order to move with their usual subordination. I waited a while, and when the enemy had got well out of the way, I gave the order to cease firing, which was readily obeyed. Perhaps in view of the fact that none of their opponents were visible from that point. The 26th Louisiana had been ordered forward to take prisoners, but here we see a breakdown in the command of the regiment, and Colonel Hall contributed to this by not immediately ordering a ceasefire. He had to restore order to his regiment immediately. We moved out, the boys considerably wrought up. A sergeant of Company A spied a blue coat, and although the order to cease firing had been given, sent a mini ball after him. I was in the rear at the time. I ran up to the sergeant and gave him a smart rap on the back with the flat side of my sword. He turned round to look where the blow came from, and when he saw me, seemed as much astonished as if a shell had stung him. I went in front, ordered the column into line, cocked my revolver, and said I would shoot the first man that would fire. In order to quiet them, I put them through the manual of arms, in plain view and entirely exposed to the enemy. Colonel Hall had to threaten his men with force and drilled them while under artillery range to get them back under control, which he succeeded in doing. Ultimately, the regiment returned to the line in anticipation for another assault. In 1889 and 1890, Winchester Hall obtained four sworn statements from veterans of the regiment that were also a part of this detail. Lieutenant Hazard Easton of Company A, Sergeants O'Brien and Malcolm of Company B, and Sergeant Hepler from Company I, all substantiated the firing on Union soldiers while on this detail, but seemed to differ on how many men actually opened fire. All of the non-commissioned officers corroborated Colonel Hall's statement of pulling out his pistol and threatening to shoot the next man in line who fired his weapon, and all agreed that the 26th Louisiana performed drill after this incident. The failed assault of 29 December 1862 proved to be the end of the Battle of Chickasaw Bayou, and Sherman eventually left by the Yazoo River. The 26th Louisiana marched back to Vicksburg where it participated in further operations through the first half of 1863. As an interesting note, Colonel Hall's family managed to make the trip from their home in Thibodeau, Louisiana, to be with him in Vicksburg, because Union forces had overrun Lafouche and surrounding parishes. Colonel Hall, his family, and the 26th Louisiana would stay in Vicksburg through the siege and fall to Grant's army on 4 July, 1863. After being paroled, Winchester Hall returned to Thibodeau, Louisiana by late July of 1863. Winchester Hall was not officially exchanged until August 1864, and therefore could not serve in an infantry regiment. 
Between that time, he served as a member of a military court in Mississippi, but eventually reassumed command of the 26th Louisiana on 19 April 1865, which officially disbanded on 19 May 1865. Winchester Hall compiled the story of the 26th Louisiana and published his book sometime in the 1890s, entitled The Story of the 26th Louisiana Infantry in the Service of the Confederate States. You can find the link to this source on the podcast website if you'd like to read it further. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode. The podcast continues to expand its footprint online and in this past week now has a presence on Facebook and Instagram. Just search First Person Civil War Podcast. And on X at FP Civil War Pod. On these social media posts, expect to find pictures of the authors or sketches of the battles. All of these links are available at firstpersoncivilwarpodcast.com. Just look for the social media icons at the top of each page. Whether you are listening to the podcast on the website or through the various podcasting apps, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And please share the podcast with your friends. My name is Bill Coglin, and thank you for listening to First Person Civil War Podcast.